Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. How's it going, Beverly? It's going good. How are you doing, Jenny? I am doing amazing, and I'm so excited to be recording this episode, particularly with our reveal for PF Drafty. Yes, me too. I got a few things done. I had some fails, some wins. I think I'm in the same boat. I had I had at least one that's sort of a fail because it, it worked. It worked beautifully, but everything else about the project I did wrong. So I'm, I'm going to say the drafting part was a success. Um, and then I've got some others that pissed me off or (laughs) made me happy, depending on which ones we're talking about. So it's going to be exciting to talk about. What have you been working on that isn't PF drafting? Well, I made that style arc Patricia Rose dress that we talked about. I love it. I made it out of this really drapey viscose twill. It feels good and it feels cool and nice on. And I recommend that pattern too. It's a, it's a nice, simple pattern. It's cute, right? I yeah, mean, it's it is really cute. Feature. It's adorable. It is. It is. I, I lengthen the bodice on it. And as I do with most patterns, I have to lengthen some of it. So I lengthened the bodice on it and I forgot that I did. And the back is all one piece. And so I'd forgotten to lengthen the back. So the pockets didn't line up, but that's all right. Uh, I, I just won't have any pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you a sewer if you don't have pockets? <laughs> you don't have pockets. I know. <laughs> Although I will tell you, I put pockets and stuff that I made for PF Drafty. They've got pockets right in there. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I'm just becoming you. It's very weird. <laughs> so I also made uh, a couple of Helen's Closet March tops. So that pattern was, I, I recommended in our bonus episode, or I didn't recommend, I, I would said I mentioned it in our bonus episode and I've made the first one I made was in this rayon ditzy floral and I really liked it. It's funny because most of her patterns are super beginner friendly, which I think this is, but I actually found that putting the bib on the front was pretty fiddly to get it just lying exactly right on both sides. I struggled a little bit and maybe it's also because it's rayon. Like if I was doing this in linen, I think it would be uh-huh. quite simple to, to get it to lie flat, but it's, it's just a little like, Oh, it's, but the, uh, so anyways, okay. So I made another one too, but we'll talk about that one later because that's part of my PF drafty. And then the next thing I'm really excited about, I'm starting on making a tailored shirt for Jim. And I mostly had wanted to do a tailored shirt because I wanted to, learn those skills. I wanted to, I've never done flat filled seams. And this is a a craftsy class with Pam Howard. This was recommended by Alex Judge on her um, YouTube channel. And I started listening to it. I think it's really good class. And I'm, you know, I'm following all the directions and everything. So I'm going to use this light or mid to mid-weight linen. It's a white linen. And I think it's just going to be really, really nice this is actually kind of a toile because it's an inexpensive linen, even though it's lovely. And then I want to make him a short sleeve version using this Alexander uh, Henry fabric, which is a, like tattoo kind of looking. Fa- was that what you'd call it? Because I know you've used that. Yeah, fabric. it's a it's a tattoo style uh, male mermaid, mermen. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> um, mer. mer- Mer people's um, sort of shirtless, delightful um, mer people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's wonderful because I made a dress for myself out of it. Yeah. It's lovely fabric and it's quirky too. And Jim's quirky. So he'll like that. And that fabric that I got was part of a big fabric order I made from Seams Fabric in Michigan. The owner of Seams Fabric is Jesse, who was on last week on our All Genders Welcome episode. So I have to say that they shipped my order right away and the fabrics that they have is a beautiful selection and I recommend Seams Fabric for everyone. Okay, That's wonderful. I, uh, I really enjoyed listening to um to Jesse speak about the store and uh, it's someplace I would definitely make an effort to visit if I were ever in the area as well. 
So that's, that's wonderful. And I got free shipping, uh, by the way. It's a great guaranteed way to get me to buy to a certain limit. If you just throw free shipping in there, it doesn't really matter to me very much what that dollar value is. I'm going to hit it. Yeah, so, well, you might um, change your mind at Fabric Store, the linen shop that I use a lot. Yeah. It's $1,000. Holy cannoli. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably would change my mind. I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever spent that much at once. But it's sad that I'm not positive. No, I'm I'm certain I could not have spent that much at once. But I've certainly considered it. And I know that my shopping cart has had more than that in it before. I just, you know, it's hard to hit go on that. So I know you have been sewing up a storm. Tell us about that. I have. So I am, uh, as we're recording this, I'm headed out of town shortly to go to the beach with a girlfriend for a long weekend. I know I'm so excited because this I'm uh, I'm a CPA by trade and this part of my year, um, while I do work in manufacturing, so I don't have a lot of clients I'm dealing with. It is my fiscal year end, and so I am covered up in audits, closing the year out. We've had some turnover in my um, finance department. There's just a whole lot of stuff going on that has made this the most stressful three months. And I scheduled this vacation before the stress even started because I knew <laughs> I knew it was going to be very bad. And so a lot of what I've been sewing this past week is stuff to take on vacation. So, for example, um, more Tarly dresses, um, obviously from Muna and Broad. Um, one of my favorite things in the world is a regional convenience store gas station chain called Bucky's. And Bucky's is a Texas chain primarily, but they've started leaking out of Texas into surrounding states. And in this case, we're headed to St. Augustine Beach, and there happens to be a Bucky's in St. Augustine Beach. And because I love Bucky's, I had fabric printed with their logo, and I've made Tarly dresses for myself and my girlfriend to wear to go to the Bucky's because I am that kind of extra. So I'm super <laughs> excited about this. Incredibly excited about it. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely include photos in the show notes when this is released. And my friend's reaction was exactly everything I've ever wanted from someone. When I asked for their measurements, her immediate reaction was, oh my God, does that mean you're making me a Bucky's dress? Oh, that's great. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. So I'm very excited by that. In addition, I've made a couple of new uh, Chris Wood sews envelope dresses. And I've got, in fact, another one that I've cut out that I'll be making uh, soon that's got a a full-on life-size skeleton printed on it. (laughs) Because I think there's nothing funnier than a fat woman at the beach in a caftan dress that's printed with a skeleton on it. (laughs) So that's, that's on my list for sure. And I did some pattern testing for a swimsuit pattern uh, from a new to me company, someone I've never sewn for before. And uh, the the bra top for this bikini is the most comfortable bra top I've ever made for a bikini. So I, I made some bottoms that are higher waisted because I'm a lot more comfortable in a high waisted <laughs> bikini bottom to go with that bra top. And I'm excited to wear those. In addition, I've made like four Rosalie patterns from another new to me company, Fiber Mood Patterns. And Fiber Mood Pattern measurements come up to not quite my size, but above the 55 inch mark. And this is just a loose fitting dress that is essentially a sleeveless tent dress with ruffles where you would put sleeves if you were going to. And I, I love it to death. It is so floaty and fun. And it is um, back to being my favorite kind of dress because there is not one human who sees me in it whose immediate thought would be, well, that's flattering Um, (laughs) because, because it is outstanding. It is colorful. It is obviously fun, but it is not, it is not what you would call slimming. And I think that's fabulous. That's one of my favorite things. And I made a Bakerloo dress, Yay! the one with the giant ass collar on it. Oh my God. And I color blocked the collar. So it's like in a coordinating, but not matchy match print to go with my amazing animal print, <laughs> animal print Bakerloo dress. And while I do not manage to pull off the magnificence that I think Rhiannon Toast on Instagram does with each of her Bakerloos, I've tried really hard. <laughs> so I, I hope think I get. You do. I think you do. I think it's amazing. And I, I do like, I think one of your comments on, on your post for that was something about you need some buckles on your hat or something. 
<laughs> I totally do. And so Fluvog sells shoes with giant buckles on them. And I'm desperately trying to decide that I can justify a pair of those, which I might be able to do because I just got like a tiny bonus at work and that could Yay. make that happen. So we'll see. And then I have one more that I made. I made um, my first successful Helen's Closet pattern. So you have been a fan of Helen's Closet for some time. And I'm interested in that one that ties at the waist. Gilbert, maybe. Oh, the one. Yeah, I've I've made a bunch of those. That's my Yeah, I'm interested in that one. My hips fall outside of the measurement. And when you look at, when you look at the way the shirt is done, I think the one that ties in the front, my waist is what matters. Yeah, it's, it's um, actually, I only made one that tied because for me, it, it comes right to the top of my jeans. And if I raise my hand, like it's up high. So I didn't like that, but, but it's, it's a cute top. I think that the hips don't matter so much because it's above the hips. I was thinking that too, and I'm short waisted. So I'd be likely to pull it up a little bit more anyway, but I'm, I'm considering that one for, for one. But prior to this, I'd made the Pona jacket and I had made it according to the size chart. And it was the largest thing I've ever tried to put on, but not in the right way. It Mm. felt sloppy to me, not, I don't know how to describe it. It just, it worked so badly. I threw it away. I didn't, I didn't even try and give it away. I was just like, well, this is complete garbage. (laughs) And I threw it out. But more recently, I've seen a number of sewists who are my size out there doing good work in the world by putting pictures of themselves out and including their measurements to tell me what a garment looks like on them. And I found a few that are my size wearing the Pona jacket. And I thought, damn, that doesn't look oversized and awful at all. And so it is oversized, but oh my gosh, the other one was so bad. So I reached out and posted on my Instagram, a picture of the pattern and picture of my measurements circling where I fell. So I'm outside the hip range. And I want to say I'm a 22 for the the, uh, chest and then maybe a uh, 26 for the waist or something like that. And I asked, what would you do? How would you size this? And I got a lot of really great answers back, but ultimately somebody tagged Helen and Helen came by and said, do the 20, I think it was the 24 to the 26 or the 22 to the 26 and do that, make that the sizing. That's where I'd begin. So I just said, great cut it out, sewed it together. And indeed it's exactly what I wanted. I made this one out of a micro cord. Apparently cord is coming back. Um, but I made it out of a micro cord and I love it. It is absolutely gorgeous. Now I did not put the patch pockets on it because I didn't want to line up all that damn cording. And, <laughs> and so I left the patch pockets off, but it is cute as hell. And what I really need is, um, uh, one of one of the folks that I follow um, from England, and I'll have to find the Instagram handle. Uh, her name is Corey, and she makes beautiful ceramic pins, things like that. A lot of them look mm. like giant buttons, but some really neat ceramic pins. And what it really needs is a giant pin um, wow. to hold it together when I want it held together. Although I wore it without anything holding it for a while, so I was I was incredibly happy. I have another cord and a canvas that I'd like to make it out of next. So that's, I, I think that's going to become a go-to, but it got me thinking, what other Helen Closet pattern would I be interested in? Because again, they stop short of my hips and they stop short by enough that unless there's a challenge like PF Drafty, I'm not inclined to do it. Right, right. Um, so the, the Gilbert talk occurred to me because it looked like my hips didn't matter. So that's my list of stuff I've been doing. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, Jenny, I am excited to hear about what you have done for PF Drafty. Awesome. And we'll have to decide after I go through my first one, if we want to go back and forth or just information dump all at once. (laughs) So I'm going to start off easy because I've got some like angrier conversation later, but I'm going to start off easy because I began by doing exactly what I said I would. I made pockets for my Upton skirts and They were generally, the pockets were very successful. So I started off by using a pocket from a dress that I like. Um, So it's similar to, say, a Rivermont pocket or the the pocket on the Cashmere Calder pants, where it's a curved pocket like on denim, right? Where you have that curved at the front and you can see behind it, you could put a little coin pocket in if you wanted or whatever. And I thought, well, that's a brilliant idea. So I'm going to throw that onto an Upton skirt and I'm going to put it on the pleated skirt and... 
I'm going to make the skirt out of a rigid denim because obviously it's a denim pocket. So this is going to be great. I could top stitch it in gold. It'll be the most fabulous thing I've ever made. And I cut out the pocket shape and I put together the, the skirt. I cut the angle. Oh, crap. It went right across that pleat. Okay, so... <laughs> so I'm just going to keep going because at this point I've already wasted a lot of fabric on this because I cut the whole thing out without thinking it through. So in the end, my pocket went across the pleat. So the pleat didn't come all the way up to the waistband. The pleat ended in, in an angle on my pocket at a couple of places, but the pocket itself was a good pocket. It was like the right shape, the right things like that. And I, I wasted, you know, four yards. <laughs> yards of denim on this. Um, I suppose I could have just stopped and been like, well, I'll do a different color for the front and something like that. But that wasn't what I wanted. So, so I did this and I thought, well, I'll just wear it. So I wore it a couple of times and realized that a, the rigid denim I chose was probably 12 ounce and it's way the hell too heavy for that skirt. I mean, like way too heavy for the skirt. So as I worked my way through the day, I made the waistband tight enough that it wasn't going to slide down and I got bounteous hips. It would take some effort to fall off, right? But but it was noticeably dragging downward as I got through the day. It was really not comfortable to wear. And I knew about the error on the pleats. And I am 100% certain that every person who saw me that day was just like, did you see her pleats? Um, <laughs> even though I know that nobody really will have done that, <laughs> but, but I didn't care for it. So I tried again. And on the next one, I made the, the pocket cutaway narrower so it wouldn't encroach on the pleats. And I used a lighter weight fabric, too light a weight fabric. And so the pockets were really amazing, but adding the weight of the pockets really changed how the skirt fell, right? Mm. And that one, I didn't even photograph, which is shameful because I normally photograph my disasters, but I was like, you know what? This is garbage. I'm not doing anything with it. And I got rid of it immediately. <laughs> it went into my daughter's, here's something you can take apart pile because it was it was absolutely um, 100% awful. And then I thought, okay, I'm gonna do something completely different. So I'm still on my pleated skirts because those are my preference. I'm still using canvas because that's my preference. And I put in um, side seam pockets, my least favorite pocket type, and I closed them with invisible zips. Oh, <laughs> and it turns out I don't mind that. Now I hate doing it because what's, what's good about a zipper? There's nothing good about a zipper, but what turned out to be good about a zipper is that it means the pocket stays closed. <laughs> On the other hand, if I zip my pocket closed, guess what I'm not gonna use? <laughs> I was like, it's a so, <laughs> so I'm going to make the argument that what I did was reinforced for myself. I don't want pockets. <laughs> They're really not for me, but I felt like the experience was really successful. And I felt like I learned something with each one and that it wasn't the pockets fault. It's, <laughs> it's me. So I'm going to break up with pockets pretty formally. And uh, it's definitely me, not, not pockets. Um, so. so that's really interesting because my first project that I had said I was going to do, I had a similar experience, not, not entirely, but, um, and I gave up much quicker than you did, but <laughs> I made this self-drafted skirt. That was my original idea that I wanted to do. I used my skirt sloper. I made these tiers on the side. So what I wanted to do was basically have the center and the the front and the back be just like a straight skirt and then add on the sides the these panels that kind of got bigger and bigger that were uh, gathered tiers along there. And I drafted it all out and I made the tiers and everything and then I put it on and I didn't really like how it fit. So I was taking it in and doing all this and then I realized, you know, I just, I rather just buy a pattern like somebody worked all this out and like that like there's a reason that we pay for these things and like maybe then I would be willing to do like a pattern hack I think would be more my style to take something that was already drafted and then do a pattern hack so that's what I ended up with but what was your I I love that I love that so much because I think that that experience is one I have had so many times where I'm like, I'm going to start with something successful and I'm going to do a different thing to it. 
And then I'm either going to love it or I'm going to hate it. And if I hate it, I'm going to hate it so hard and I'm going <laughs> to stop and never touch it again and hope someone puts out a pattern where they've put all the thought into it. Yeah. Um, so for, for the Upton dress, for example, I'd really love it if somebody else would draft and successfully test pockets that do not involve a zipper or a side <laughs> seam. <laughs> but as it turns out, I am not going to be that person. So yeah, I hear you. My next projects I've posted about on Instagram. So if you follow me, this is a little bit of a retread, but my most successful effort here really made me angry. And so we're going to chat about that a little bit today. I did something that I really don't do. I decided I was going to draft up to my size in a big four pattern. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the pattern and I'm not going to share the designer of the pattern because they don't deserve my advertising because they did not care enough to draft this for me. Not only that, this pattern is actually drafted to end at a 46 inch hip. It is a um, quintessential spring dress. It's one of those that has a gathered front square neckline. And then you have gathered sleeves that end in a um, ruched gathered uh, half sleeve, no real fitting throughout the garment. It's essentially a rectangle with sleeves tacked onto it. It is super duper cute. And I bought it because I didn't pay attention to the size when I did. And this was um, some time ago. And I held on to it because I knew it wouldn't be that hard to draft up. But in the meantime, I started getting mad and getting rid of all the things I had that would require me to draft them. But when I came across this one, I didn't, I did not end, end up getting rid of it. And I'm really embarrassed about that, that I, I didn't value myself enough to recognize that keeping a thing that doesn't honor my body was a mistake. But for PF Drafty, it seemed like perfect opportunity to draft it up. So I did. And it is, it is flipping adorable. It is one of the cutest things I have ever made. I have made two versions. I have two more cut out. I'm in the middle, literally, as we're recording this, I put down sewing on another version of this in order to stop and record. It is cute. I have done it out of um, quilting cotton and I've done it out of uh, lawn type fabric so far. I think it'll be even better in lighter weight drapier stuff, but it I, it's going to look amazing in a poplin as well. Weirdly, for a pattern that doesn't come close um, on any of my measurements, so its bust size on this particular one is 42 inches, and my bust size is 51, okay? And it's elasticized across the front. I had to cut the elastic three inches shorter than their recommended length in order for this garment to actually stay on my body. Hmm. So it's a case of bad drafting as well, in my opinion. I ended up adding uh, a full 15 inches to the fabric because I assessed that the ease that was already built in looked excessive, that it was going to be fine. And I think the results demonstrate that, yes, I got the same look with only um, only a little bit barest bit more ease. Okay. Let me ask you a couple questions because yes. one of the reasons that we did this month well, reason why we did this drafting and um especially in talking about size inclusion and gender inclusion was that we recognize that certain people have to do more pattern drafting than other people so yeah. i think it would be a great service if you talked about like how how you were able to do that because there are people who will see a pattern that's not available in their size and want to draft it and if they want to make that extra effort what are some tips that you could give them to do that so one of the big things for me is to start by thinking about the shape of the pattern you're beginning with. So if I'm beginning with a pattern that has princess seams and an added smocked section on the front or something like that, it's probably not a good candidate for me. There's a decent chance that with my French curve, a calculator and a straight edge, I could manage to get to a point where I have something that fits my body correctly with effort, but not, not crazy effort because I've done it a lot. I've been drafting my own patterns since I was 14 and I'm 52. So I've done a lot of this, right? But for me, even now, I look at the shape and decide whether it'd be um, possible to do it in a relatively simple way. This pattern, looking at it without having opened it yet or cut any of the pieces out, I could tell it was likely to be rectangular pieces with scoops for the arm size on the sides, but because the sleeves are so gathered, the arm size shape only kind of matters. So the pattern itself 
has a front and a back arm side piece because the straps those attached to are shaped differently. I'm ignoring that. I cut my sleeve on the fold because I'm adding so much width to that sleeve anyway. In the end, it's not going to be noticeable, the difference in that arm side. The body of it was so rectangular that I was able to say, well, there are only two seams. And so I've got two pieces of fabric that I'm using. So I've got four places, right and left front, right and left back, that I can put the extra width I want. In my case, I want about 16 inches. So I added four and a half inches, right and left, front and back, right? So that I could get that full 16 inches of additional fabric. It worked because it was a rectangle. If it's not, you can't always add that in the center. In this case, with a square neck that's elasticized to bring it into the size of your chest, I could 100% do that. With a circular one, with something that's got a, a circular scoop or something like that, I'm more likely to rely on the lines on the pattern and think, if I need to go out an inch and a half, how have they scaled that on this pattern? Where would I need to redraw my line? And I use that handy dandy Ikea roll paper <laughs> to mm -hmm. do that. I think there are better papers you can use for it, but I just, I've never bothered to buy them because it's so cheap and it works fine for me. So that's one of it. With the sleeve, I looked at the sleeve and I held it up to my body and it would fit on my sleeve, would fit over my bicep but it definitely wouldn't have the fullness that the image on the pattern envelope had. So I, I arbitrarily decided that I would need about six inches more in order to get a similar fullness. It was a guess. I ended up on my second dress going to eight inches more. So the six one looks just fine, but the eight inches gave me more of what I was looking for. And I, I cut the pattern out on the fold. Now on this one, there were two two sleeve choices. One came down and had elastic at your elbow. Mm -hmm. So it was very full top and bottom. The other one gathered at the top and narrowed towards your elbow. And then you sewed a, a flounce on it that is effectively a circle skirt, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you measured the end of that arm opening, you'd just make a circle skirt using a circle skirt calculator to say, oh, well, I need, I need a skirt for someone with a 13 inch waist or whatever mm -hmm. your measurement is at your elbow. And I thought about doing that one, but I thought, you know, that's a little more fiddly. And my fabrics are all directional prints, so mm -hmm. I'm going to skip that. But I did do the mental process to realize that flounce is just a circle skirt. I could 100% <laughs> make that just by measuring the opening of the end of my sleeve. So that's sort of the steps I used for this rectangular one, because everything else about it, it's the same. I'm, I'm putting, I made it slightly longer. That's another note. You've got a big but as you as you're go out this way, that doesn't solve the length problem. You still need to add more length. And in fact, a lot of designers forget that. And so you end up, um, Rebecca Page has a, an adorable little dress that I've made that, <laughs> that the length on it is only like a quarter inch longer, the Laura, for my size than it is for smaller than, than Beverly, smaller than Beverly's size. And that limit when my hips get into that dress, it draws that dress way up. <laughs> and I something where, where I am, I am sharing more than even my underwear can make decent. So it's um, problematic sometimes. So I always make them longer. In this case, I went, I made it the exact length for the first one just to prove my theory. And indeed, I'll be adding a ruffle. And then I made it um, eight inches longer for the second one. And that was my tiger print one. I think it's a little short, little long rather. So this one, I've, I've cut it in the middle. I've made it about four inches longer. And we'll see if that's right. It's always better to make it longer because you can make it shorter afterwards. <laughs> so now do you make it just as long in the front as the back? I mean... Well, in this case, it does have a straight hem for it. And because of the way that it's cut, I did increase the length in the back the exact same amount. There are garments where that isn't how it works. And I always have to rely on the lines on the pattern to give me an idea of what they think someone, you know, four sizes larger might want that curve to look like, mm -hmm. right? And I've done that successfully before with some patterns. But it gets, as as Leela noted, it's a lot to ask from a, a home sewist yeah. to be able to figure out what those angles look like. And I have the tools for doing it. And I have 30 plus years of experience doing yes. it. But it's still a very frustrating process for me. I, I, don't, um, I don't enjoy it usually. 
In this case, I've been so satisfied with the results that I'm I'm making many more of these dresses, but they're making me so mad every time I do <laughs> to realize that 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 one of the big four, McCall's Simplicity Butterick Vogue, made the decision to put this pattern out and to limit it even more than they do most of their patterns down to a 46-inch hip. And I, I can't think of why they would make that choice except fat bias or fat phobia. And it's really disappointing um, to realize that. And even then, as you go out and look at them, I think I mentioned on the last episode, um, or sorry, two episodes ago on the uh, one about fat bias, that in the big four, Sandra Betzina is the only designer who designs to my body size. And she doesn't. Those are three inches smaller than my hips. And I went out and looked because I was curious as to what percentage of their patterns are designed for me. And the answer is zero, zero percent of the patterns are designed for me. And it, it continues to be frustrating and there's, there's no excuse for it. Um, so, so it made me really mad, but I'm glad I had an excuse in PF Drafty to give the dress a shot because I do love it. Yeah. Um, it is, it is a marvelous dress. How's that? <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. And I think that I think that there's like, like two kind of conflicting things here, right? The one thing is that we, you know, that you don't want to be buying patterns that are not drafted to you. But the second thing is, is that, yeah, just because, you know, there's sometimes that you see something that you want to make and it's not available and it's not, you, there's no one to give your money to for it. And so you use some, you decide to make that effort yourself and, you pay the same amount of money that I do for a pattern. Luckily for us mm-hmm. in the United States, you probably paid 99 cents or $1.99 for that pattern. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I don't have to draft it and you do. So, um, but I think it's good that there are people who are willing to talk about the skills so that other folks, if they wanted to make it, they could, they could do it if they wanted to. I, I agree. And a lot of how you learn to do it is literally just by trying. And that's, that's how you get to that place where you're able to do it. Um, otherwise, it, it just continues to be um, a, a mystery, basically, something that, that you may not really get to, um, get to do except through trial and error. The error part can be pretty hard um, and sometimes, sometimes can feel pretty demoralizing. Yeah. Um, but it's important to remember that I'm unsuccessful in drafting and so are most people. I mean, honestly, even professional pattern pattern designers, it's not like the first one's the right one. Um, I watched an episode uh, of uh, So So Live uh, with Sarami today where she was talking about how um, she's drafting a bag for a collaborative project she's doing where she has to make a hundred of these bags for knitters. And she talks through her process of trying to draft that pattern. And by the time I had to tune out this morning, she'd gone through four potential pattern drafts on it. And I don't know that we had landed on the successful one yet. Right. And this is someone who has extensive experience in drafting and this is drafting a small bag. This isn't even necessarily as significant as trying to change a dress's size by 16 inches. So, um, so failure to get it right on the first, second, third, fourth go, that's not weird. That's part of the learning process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, should I talk about my next one? Oh, please do. Okay. So this one, we, I'm glad that we have a liberal, um, idea about what is included for drafting because this next one is just really hacking a pattern. And, and so luckily that counts. Um, so what I did was I took the Helen's closet March top that I had already made that I really liked. Um, so the way that the pattern comes out of the bag is number one, there's, there's, um, so there's two tops and a dress and the dress and one of the tops has a gathered skirt and the, and, um, actually I guess they have, longer sleeves too, but so there's, there's a choice in sleeve length, but, um, they have a gathered skirt added to the, the bodice, um, just under where the, the front bib portion, well, front and back bib portion is anyway. And then the other one is a straight peplum just going straight down. So that's what I first made was the one going straight down. The other thing about it is that the front comes up quite high, like right up, um, to like 
I don't know, your clavicle up there. Like it's really high in the front, goes right up to the top. And um, for me, I feel more comfortable with it down a little bit. So I, the first thing I did was just, I cut um, down a little bit. And, you know, I think Jenny's looking at that and is like, okay, like big whoop, <laughs> you put it down a couple inches. But to me, it's kind of big deal because I don't really change stuff that much. And um, I never, so one of the things that, that I think that, um, that happens too, is that for you, I think you can easily eye when something's going to be wonky if you just drop it. Because sometimes I drop something and the shape is, is off when it's actually constructed together. But if anybody wants to drop this down, I can tell you it's very simple. I just went down two inches and made the line from where it started at the shoulder and it came out perfect. So that was easy. But the second one was that I used the straight peplum and I made a flounce out of it. So I learned this from Susie Furr's skirt sloper class. And I did all the things different from what Susie said. So the first thing that Susie said is it has to be cut on the bias. And I'm like, I'm not cutting it on the bias. I don't have near enough fabric for that. Plus it's got these flowers on it. And the second thing is she said, every one inch, you have to put in one inch of flounce, right? So you put in one inch and then you add an inch. And so I didn't have enough fabric for that either. So in fact, I had so little fabric that I had to piece together the back of the flounce. So what I did was every two inches of the, of the peplum, I added one in. I put this kind of flouncy thing on it and now it looks like the it's too big for me. I was kind of surprised because why would that be different than the straight peplum or the gathered? I haven't made the gathered one yet, so maybe it would look big on me too, but it looked to me, it just looks like the top is too big instead of an oversized look. Mm -hmm. And so I have two choices and I'm going to ask for your help, Jenny, because you have more experience. (laughs) So I can either take in the sides, which is a little bit complicated because the, the way it's drafted, it has like grown on sleeves and the, then you put sleeves on the end part. So the, it's, it's like a big sleeve opening, but I could, and the, the area to go from the sleeve opening there is only, I don't know, four inches or something to take right. in, take in on the side, or I could just add little ties and then I can have it as tight or as not tight as I want. Yeah. So if it were me, I almost always would add ties, but not a hundred percent of the time. But I think in this case, I, I would go ahead and add the ties rather than bring it in because I think I think the extra volume that you have is something you want. You just want it to fit a little closer while having that volume and the sleeves should you get that. So I think that's definitely the the right pick. And with so little fabric left, since it is a floral print, there's a lot of other options you could have for adding those ties from a, a different color family. You could even go really simple and just match it to ribbon you found rather than buying fabric and cutting it on, you know, the bias or the straight, whatever you prefer and so on. But you could just pick up ribbon or, or something else like that that would really look nice with it. I think you've done a fine job and that neckline dropping isn't as easy as it sounds. I do it all the time and I do it a little off pretty regularly because getting something to drop really evenly exactly where you want so that straight on from the front, it's centered is harder than it sounds, or at least for me. Now that's partly because I'm super sloppy, (laughs) but it it really does take a a measure of of thought and a practiced hand to be like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I'm looking for. And to understand your own body well enough to know where you want that drop to hit. Yeah. And I also a little bit cheated with that too, because I took a a t-shirt that I really liked and I saw where it hit on me. And then I measured the difference in where it was before. And not cheating. That's the method you should use. That's like exactly how you should do that. That's perfect. Using something you like to alter something to be better for you is that's brilliant. That's exactly what PF Drafty hopefully encourages people to do right? Is to take something that you mostly like and make it something that's really right for you through the addition of, of some of these, uh, these hacks that can be smaller. So that's nice. So I think that overall, it was a good experience for me. It made me feel much better about giving my $15 to someone who's already 
drafted up something. And it also, you know, gave me a lot more maybe thoughtfulness about when I go to hack something like, okay, what can this affect and what can that affect? Um, But I still need to make that dog bed. I didn't make it yet. And I think I can easily draft that up. Yeah. So what I love about it is that when we went into this, I went in with a really small project as my plan. I'm going to put a pocket on something and you went into it falls to the wall. I am going to make a skirt. That is, that is my plan. I'm going to take a sloper and make an actual damn skirt out of it. And that, that was amazing. I love that for both of us, that first thought was not the success that we had hoped for. (laughs) And then you reverted to, I've got a top that I really like, but I'd like to make it better. And I went to, I'm going to, I'm going to totally draft up a thing (laughs) that I've sworn repeatedly on this podcast, I will not be doing anymore. And so, so I think it's pretty funny, really how that turned out for us, (laughs) but, uh, but kudos to us. I think we did a good job. I think so. I also think some of our listeners have done a great job. We're recording this um, on April 17th, so there's still lots of time for people to bring things in. But for right now, um, we do have some really cool projects that are showing up with the PF Drafty hashtag. Yeah, and that's, that's really neat to get a chance to see. I do love watching as the projects show up over time. Where do you want to start? I know what, what one of my favorite set of entries are. <laughs> Why don't you start with your favorite your favorite so far? I think right now, my favorite of the things I've seen so far are these amazing art dolls um, that Canyon Lady 67 has created. Oh, I love them so much. I know. I've I've tried commenting on the posts. I've, I, I'm trying desperately to find a way because Canyon Lady 67, I believe, sells some things, but these are not in her shop. <laughs> And I don't know if that's because other people bought them before I got a shot or what happened because they're amazing. I want them so bad, but here's the thing. We've talked about this before. I don't feel comfortable embellishing in this way, right? I don't feel, I don't feel artistic enough to do this. I I don't know why, but I look at them and think that is this is something that only a consummate professional could make happen. <laughs> no one has ever done this from an amateur perspective and I would fail completely. <laughs> and I love them to death. They, they are, are killing me. The giant green eyes, eyes on one that has roving for hair. I am just, I am just dying over these. They are so amazing. And then she also made that beautiful, uh, those beautiful art bags. Those like with yes fabric. I mean, those are gorgeous. And the cosplay outfit for her daughter. Now that <laughs> cosplay is amazing. Amazing. Um, I do love to do some cosplay. My younger daughter, Atomic Cosplay on Instagram is amazing. Atomic Baby Cosplay is amazing for things like that as well. This is just so impressive. Just just so beautiful. And what a wonderful reinterpretation of um, an Alice in Wonderland uh, costume. Just beautiful. It's great. And then Boldly Go Beauty is right after my own heart. They drafted their own cuffs and a waistband to a top. This is a very practical thing that I think is useful for everyone um, to be able to do to just make a cuff, you know, your own cuffs and waistband for something. I know that, that I do, I add that to t-shirts and stuff a lot. I like that idea. That's wonderful. I really love it. I really liked Rosaltov, which is, is a fabulous um, self-drafted bodice worn here with Helen's Closet. We've talked about them a lot this episode, Winslow Culottes, but the bodice is self-drafted with a little bit of help from another dress, the artist house dress, and is fully lined, a thing that I absolutely adore. And in this case, it's been made out of um, an old duvet cover or a new duvet cover, can't really tell, but a a duvet cover that's sort of a um, blush pink with black polka dots. And it contrasts so beautifully with, I mean, I swear they must have rented or purchased a home intentionally to be able to 
have a background for this. Such bright, <laughs> beautiful colors, the amazing yellow table, the white brick wall. It's it's the whole package, just, just wonderful. And of course, it appears that they have failed to follow my advice and have put a zip right there in the front. Um, but I'm not going to take any points off at all for that because it's just a a brilliant make. Super Chaos 6 has hacked the True Bias Hudson Pants, which have just been expanded their size range into a qualifying size range for us. They made them high-waisted because they're kind of a low-waisted jogger. So I love it. They've they've kept that curved pocket that I was so into for my heavy (laughs) upton skirts where it didn't quite work. And they've chosen to extend the pocket rather than move the pocket up on the high wasting on the pants, which I think is a a, a neat choice. Yeah, that is interesting. And in addition, so another one after my heart, Margie makes improvise some pocket bags for jeggings. And they've used a a wonderful contrast color print actually on that that pocket bag bag that I I really like. So it's it's super cute. And uh, they make a note about anti being anti jeggings because you go to all that trouble of putting in the pocket construction, then sewing them closed. (laughs) <laughs> and they don't like pants without pockets, so they've made the option to throw some pockets in there, which is is great. That's definitely something I'm really a fan of. And of course, the fact that you've got the rivets on there as well is just brilliant. Margie Makes also made a couple of things out of that same fabric, including a top that um, she didn't end up liking the skirt portion of the top that she had on there. And so she took that and made it into a skirt in its own right. And I think that's really clever because she used the what would be a fail and turn it into two things that she liked. That's awesome. I can really appreciate that. In addition, we had Sweet Tea and Stitchery, who is working on uh, what they describe as a 1920s one-hour dress. And they are, as of the time of the posting, two hours in. And the mock-up <laughs> still needs a facing and a hem. And uh, it's it's really neat. But what they've done is provide a photograph of a handwritten diagram of the dress with measurements and math and all these other amazing <laughs> things, which is really neat because that's one of the things that's always appealed to me about sewing is the way that it's so similar to knitting and accounting in that it requires a degree of understanding about numbers and geometry. Yeah. Well, um, I I, I, like that um, she used, she made this and based it on her seated measurements because mm -hmm. she's using a fabric with no stretch in it. And we talked about last time about how the ease can, you know, is really important at your hips when you're sitting down. Well, and as you flip through, uh, swipe through the pictures for this one, you get a better picture because when you look at the illustration for it, it's basically a rectangle and then you get to a dropway skirt width and and, uh, they've added a, a much wider piece there at the hips. And you might look at that diagram and think, well, what the heck's that going to look like? But when you swipe through the pictures, you can see the side seam where it's it's allowing you to take what will still be a basic rectangular shape, really popular in the 20s, of course, and add some ease uh, across your hips through what amounts to a giant inverted pleat, right? Mm. Which I thought was really interesting. For me, I'd end up raising the waist on that where the the point at which that happened because I, with my hips, there's there just isn't a rectangle that works, but I think it's really neat. And the seated measurement definitely will make this a more wearable design for someone. So love it. Well, I can't wait to see what everyone else comes up with. I'm sure we will have lots of really wonderful entries. Absolutely. And we have figured out that we are going to do the drawing for the winners on this on Instagram live on Saturday, May 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So this is 10 p.m. UTC, which is the standard. I love it because to me, everything after uh, Eastern Daylight Time just sounds like magic. I, <laughs> I, I am so bad at it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, the good thing is you can put in anything in your, you know, put in a time in Google and say EDT to whatever your t- time is, and it'll tell you what time it is. But we did this with the idea that in Australia, it would be 8 a.m. And in England, it'll be, I think, 11 p.m. So, but then the West Coast will be 3 p.m. 
this is tough to organize. And, you know, maybe not everybody wants to even join us on live, but we're doing the best we can. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, while you're um, waiting to join us for that live, you should go on out to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and remember to rate and review us. We have actually started to get some ratings in. And I wanted to share those with you because I have promised repeatedly that I will. When we uh, come out here and look at all of our ratings, oh my gosh, there are more Beverly, Beverly, there are more. There were only two when I looked the last time. Oh my God. Okay, so that's a live reaction. We've got Five Star, Love the Sewing Podcast by Sew214 and uh, Great Show by Jax1023. They said, this podcast is so great. Listening to this podcast feels like I'm sitting in a sewing circle chatting with friends and I've already picked up some great tricks and I look forward to participating in the monthly challenges. Now, Jack's 1023, we do have to remind you that the advice we offer may or may not be successful for most people. Would you like me to keep going or do we want to save some for next time? Okay, great. Good. Because I don't want to stop. One of the few I rarely miss, Divine Dita, woo, fancy, has uh, rated us five stars and says, I have every intention of listening to sewing podcasts, but rarely remember to check out the latest episodes. Punk Frockers, however, I never miss. Both hosts, Jenny and Beverly, are not only entertaining, but they discuss the sewing community with honesty, and I feel a sense of belonging and understanding. Lovely podcast. I know my heart grew three sizes. (laughs) The, The next one says, a great pair of sewists with a great voice, and that's Hawaii Blows five stars. I've listened to Jenny and Beverly from the beginning, and I have to say thank you. Thank you for talking about size inclusivity and fat sewing. Thank you for not being frilly with your language and just being real life sewists. And lastly, as a fat sewist, thank you for bringing to light the issues that face us when looking for patterns and helping straight size sewists to understand how frustrating it can be. I love that they are real with their sewing advice and aren't perfect sewists. They are funny, witty, and creative. Should I keep going? We should save some, right? Maybe we should save some, but these are great. Thank you guys oh my so God. much. I'm dying. It's so amazing. <laughs> None of those were my mom, right? <laughs> I mean, not as far as I could tell. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's truly, I am I am blown away that that we have we have managed to find ourselves a place in this uh, podcasting community and sewing community combined. So that's amazing. Thank you guys so much um, for taking our advice and rating us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Make sure to check out punkrockers.com for the clue for next month. And it's it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be an amazing month. And I, I can already... I can already tell that our community is going to bring it. So I'm excited. Yes, Yes, I'm excited (laughs) about that too. All right. Wonderful. See See you you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.